I do not have horns or a tail, uh, but I have a goatee, so that could be close enough. Uh, it's good morning. It's good to be with you guys again, uh, coming to give you God's word. Um, um, again, we're studying through Philippians. Uh, the theme is this kind of that we're living uh, together with the gospel. Um, and this morning, we're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3. Um, and this is where Paul turns uh, to more of an application of his letter to the Philippians. Uh, and tonight, or this morning, we're going to look at the whole subject of conflict. Um, and I will hopefully, Chuck uh, is just providentially lucky um, and that he didn't divert uh, this passage on purpose. Um, but I think our God's good. I like Chuck, so I think he's just lucky. Um, so this morning, we're going to look we're going to see a church uh, that lives out the gospel together as a church that seeks peace. Uh, so let's read God's word. Philippians 4, uh, verses 2 and 3. Uh, this is God's word. I entreat Eodia and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have been labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This is God's word, and it's given to us for our good. Let's pray. Uh, dear gracious Father, we just thank you that you are a God who is with us and for us, a God who calls us in community, a God who restores us in community, uh, and that you have called us to be a people of peace. Um, and I pray that we would look at this passage here and be reminded uh, of the great news of the gospel, the story of your good news, uh, and we would let that story uh, be the truer story of our lives. And we just promise you a great and wonderful name. Amen. Uh, many of you know I have a three-year-old son named Asher, um, and right now he is in the Bob the Builder stage, um, and he goes around the house singing, Bob the Builder, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Um, so I, I can imagine the Philippians singing something very similar here, singing, Apostle Paul, can we fix it? Yes, we can. Um, the reality is that we live with conflict. Uh, we live with uh, broken relationships. We, we live in a reality that uh, life is not perfect, uh, even within the church. Um, you know, every, uh, in a couple, about a month, I start a fall semester with college students um, in this first uh, semester, usually most of my counseling conversations are, are dealing with conflict, uh, either roommate conflict, professor conflict, old friend conflict from high school, new friend conflict, parents conflict, uh, and it goes on and on. Um, and so this passage is going to give us this wonderful picture of for us to live out the gospel in community that we need to be people that seek peace. Um, I heard this one story from a pastor. Uh, he was telling a story about a man who was rescued on an island, uh, a deserted island, um, and they, this, finally these rescuers would come and rescue him. Um, and the, the guy would show the rescuers around the island, and he would say, you know, this is my house. This is where I've lived, and uh, this building over here is actually where I worked. 
Uh, and this is the building uh, that I actually went to church while I was here. Uh, and the rescuer looked across the, the island there and saw another building. Uh, and he said, what, what, what's that building? Um, and the, the man said, well, that's the church I used to go to. Um, um, and so even in the church, uh, there's conflict. Um, uh, and so we're going to understand that through this passage that, we, um, that we're always in conflict, even alone sometimes. And Paul's going to give us some sweet things to think about as we deal through conflict. And this morning, we're again at this wonderful passage, this turning point in the, the letter of the Philippians. Uh, we saw last week in even the first three chapters of Philippians, Paul, in a sense, was laying out the gospel, the good news, and what that looks like. Uh, that, that Jesus was this one who did not take the equality of God if something be grasped, but he came and humbled himself. Um, and he lays out the gospel. Uh, last week we saw this beautiful picture of us looking forward of this, this one day that our, our lowly bodies would be transformed into uh, these glorious bodies. And then he comes up and he sums up um, this letter here in chapter 4. And, and again, just to remind you that kind of this, how, how this letter would work uh, in, the, in the church of Philippi is that Paul wrote this letter in prison, uh, and it would, it would have been delivered to this little church in Philippi. It would have been read out public. Um, and, as, and so you can imagine um, maybe how the community felt. as Here they turn to chapter 4, and Paul started labeling, started naming names, started telling uh, names these two people. Um, and, and what he does is that he says, for, for you to live out the gospel, what you need to do is to pursue peace. Um, so this morning what we're going to do is, um, while Chuck was gone, he left me some names. Um, and so I'm going to read them out loud for you. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> As Chuck looks at me like, uh. Um, um, so, but this morning what we're going to do is we're going to Look at the importance for us as brothers and sisters of the Lord to seek peace. Um, and we're going to look at first the, their conflict and then Paul's solution. Uh, first, their conflict. Uh, in verse 2, we see that Paul again calls out these two ladies that are in conflict with one another. Um, and at first glance, it, it, it kind of seems um, that this encouragement by Paul comes out of nowhere. You know, we saw last week, therefore... Um, my brothers, who I'm loved and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And in verse 2, I entreat Iodia, I entreat Synthiki to agree in the Lord. Um, and at, at first, you kind of think it's out of context, or what's Paul doing here? And I think Paul's doing something, he's proven a point. I think that he's showing us that conflict is normal. Um, it's just part of normal life, especially life after, this, after sin, um, and even life between the already and not yet, that, that conflict is normal. And the reality with conflict is that we either do two things. We either run from it, ignore it, or make it a real big deal. Um, and what Paul's encouraging us here, and he's showing the Philippians here, even these two, these two ladies in this church, that conflict is normal. Uh, don't sweat it. Uh, that you are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I would say even the elders here at Christ Church, I think, are aware of this, that conflict is normal within the body of the church. Um, you know, as um, 
somebody who goes to church here, I thought it was quite wise of them to have this as part of their membership vows. Um, I'm going to read it to you, and maybe it reminds all of us. But to me, there's great wisdom in this because I think the elders are saying there is going to be conflict here. It's normal. It's part of life. But let's use the gospel to address that conflict. So uh, here's the membership vow. Um, to rely on the Holy Spirit uh, by guard, to guard my tongue, which has great potential for evil as well as for good within the body of believers. For the sake of the peace and purity of the church, I will avoid gossip and slander and will not bear false witness against my neighbor and will follow the biblical process of Matthew 18 in my dealings with others. And if I fail to honor this pledge, I will seek out the ones I have offended in order to express repentance and seek forgiveness. So here in this text, Paul calls out these two key members um, of this church and encourages them to seek peace. Um, we're not really sure what their situation was, what their conflict was. It could have been over a potluck meal, a barbecue, worship style, um, dress code at the church, carpet colors. You know, we have no idea. But all we know is that Paul encourages them to seek out peace. Um, and the question I have for you and for me this morning is this is how many of us are in a similar uh, relationship uh, where we are so divided that we need in intervention? Um, how many of us need help in our relationships? Um, um, the reality is that life is hard, and the reality is relationships are hard. Um, and God is encouraging us to know that, one, that conflict is normal, and two, that we need a community. Um, and so... Paul's encouraging us not to make conflict a big deal, um, not to ignore it or run away, but to seek peace. Um, second, we see that Paul's solution here, um, as he's dealing with these two ladies and he's dealing with us this morning, um, um, what can we learn from it? Um, we notice that Paul doesn't take sides here or even address the subject of their disagreement, but what he does is that he urges them to agree in the Lord. Verse 2. So what does that look like? How does that happen? I think Paul points to at least three things to help them and to help us pursue peace within community. First, Paul points to a community. Uh, uh, he calls um, the church itself to gather around them, uh, these ladies, um, and to uh, help them. Again, this letter would be read publicly. Uh, he calls out these two ladies, and then he calls out... Um, Maybe a named or unnamed person. Um, in verse 3, he says uh, this. Yes, I also, uh, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. And so Paul's reminding these ladies, and he's also reminding the church, um, that we should not bear the burden of conflict alone. That we need to use the church around us um, when conflict comes. And again, Paul's not freaking out about that. He just brings it up and he says, you know, hey, fellow companion, help these ladies. Um, um, and the beautiful thing I think about the church is that the church, as we read the whole letter of our whole New Testament and a lot of letters of Paul, that he encourages a couple things. He encourages that the church should be that of a community of peace. 
that we should seek peace. Um, and here's some verses just to really think about. Um, Colossians 3, 15 and 16 says this. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank- thankfulness in your hearts to God. And again, in, in Philipp- uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, I, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And what is it like? It looks like this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. James says this in James 3. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Second uh, Corinthians 13, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, confront one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And in Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable of God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for the mutual upbuilding. And so what Paul is doing here is for us, the key resource for us is peace. Uh, for, to make peace is the community, the church. Um, and again, often, especially in the church, when conflict arises, uh, we either make it a big deal or we ignore it. And what Paul's urging us as a community, as his people, the people who have been labeled by the very peace of God, that we should be, that we should strive towards peace. Um, um, and so the question I have for you and for I is this, is that do you use the community that's around you to pursue peace? Um, or do you make it a big deal? Or do you run from it? Um, again, Paul's encouraging us to use the people around us to pursue peace. Uh, and, um, and again, I think Christchurch, uh, we got some smart people here. They've thought this through, things through. I think community groups, um, uh, men's discipleship, lady groups, uh, these summer dinners, I think you know, they're trying to build community so that when life gets tough and when conflict happens, you have that community. Uh, and the question is, do you use it? Do I use it? So the first thing that Paul does here is that he gives these ladies in this church in Philippi, it reminds them that you have a great resource in the church uh, to use it. Second, he reminds these two ladies uh, in this church of the mission uh, that there is, that they have a common mission in the kingdom of God, uh, that they, used to, they labored side by side with Paul in the gospel in verse 3. And by addressing this conflict in this letter, what Paul is reminding the Philippians and he's reminding us is that church unity is vital for our mission. Um, if we're not united, if we're not ones who are seeking peace and that we're divided, the world will take notice of that. Um, and so he's reminding us, he's reminding that these, these sweet ladies uh, here in this church, um, 
labored side by side with me in the gospel and to keep an eye on the mission uh, to pursue peace. Um, I tell my students all the time at, as we're dealing, as we on the college campus and our goal is to kind of reach students um, for Christ and equip them to serve. And um, I kind of tell them this little saying, I said, I remind them that anyone can form a club. There's hundreds of clubs on this campus. But it takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to form a community. And I think Paul's telling us something very similar here, that he's saying, anyone can start a church, anybody can keep it going. But it takes grace, shared vision, and hard work to make it into a missional community, a community that goes out into the broken areas of our own lives, but also the broken areas of the city, uh, to be missional. And so he's reminding us, uh, like he did in Philippians 2, to be that of the same mind, um, to be, so that we could be missional, so that we could work hard and seek peace. Um, again, the reality is that living in community is hard work, because uh, there's always conflict, there's always brokenness. Um, But Paul's encouraging us that it's vitally important for us to be unified um, to reach um, the city and our neighbors. Um, so Paul uses the church, the community. Uh, second, he reminds them of their mission. Um, and thirdly, um, he reminds them of good theology. Uh, I couldn't think of any cooler way to say it but that. Um, um, of a common faith that they have in Christ. Um, in the end of verse 3, it talks about that their names are in the book of life. Um, and he does this in a couple ways in this letter. One is that uh, I think he, he realizes and understands the very importance of the, the image of God, of them being brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, to me, it's very interesting that he really, clearly there's a disagreement with these two ladies here. He doesn't um, beat them up, um, disrespects them in any way. But in some ways, he, he honors them and respects them. He just kind of names it and moves on. Um, and I think we, we need to learn from that because uh, we, we notice in verse 1 that these people are their crown, his crown and joy uh, that we saw last week. Um, and it's, in, I think, in deep contrast what we also looked at last week, that there's a group here in the church that are enemies of the cross. And these two ladies are not that. Uh, they're dear sisters in the Lord. Um, and so we need to be reminded of, of that good theology, of the priesthood of all believers, of that we, the people in this room, are not enemies, but they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, um, and again, he points to this future um, in verse 3, uh, like he did last week. Uh, he reminds them that their names are written in the book of life. And, and, and again, Paul is is reminding them, even though they're not on the same page, their names are in the same book, that they're written um, in the book of life. Um, and again, he's given us this picture to lean us forward to this day of glorification, uh, that the day when even, even the, the things that are undone will be done, the conflicts that are undone will be restored. And he reminds these two ladies, even though right now they're not on the same page, Take note that you're written in the same book, the book of life. Um, he's given these people hope. Um, 
you know, encourage him not to despair, but be hope. Our God is a God who restores, a God who heals, a God who is with them. Um, and so this morning we, we looked at this little, these two verses and know that there's this conflict, this reality that uh, even in the church uh, we often disagree. Um, and Paul has shown us what it looks like for us to stand, for, stand firm in the Lord in our relationships. Um, I heard another pastor say, we do not pursue reconciliation by technique, but by truth. And I think that's what Paul has done here. Um, often we use things by Oprah or Dr. Phil or even other cool Christian books um, uh, to restore our relationships. But here, what Paul's doing is just simply implying deep truths of the gospel to our friendships. And so, again, this passage is reminding us, for us, uh, that peace is something that we just don't keep, but it's something that's made, that we... Um, that peace is made, not kept. Um, and we're going to be reminded of that here in a little bit as we take the Lord's Supper. Uh, that we're reminded that the gospel says this, uh, while we were in conflict with God, he sent his one and only son into our conflict and to approach us with his kindness. So how much more do we need to live out that story of reconciliation in our lives as well? That our good God, when we, were in, when we were enemies of him, when we were in utter conflict with him, what he did is that he sent his one and only son to come into our conflict, to be, to own our conflict on the cross uh, so that we might be healed. And so let's be people, like Paul reminds us in Philippians 2, to be one of one mind to love our brothers and sisters, to be people who seek peace because our God has come and made peace with us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, we thank you that you again are a God um, who is with us in force, a God who restores broken things, a God who redeems us. And I pray, I pray as we, we reflect about our own lives um, and even... Uh, the assumption I have is that we all have conflict um, in one degree or another um, with somebody, maybe in this church, maybe in this room, uh, maybe even on our streets in our neighborhoods. And I pray that we would be people who seek peace, uh, that we pursue peace, that we they use the resources around us, the church, your spirit, and your word to lead and guide us so that we would be people of peace because you are a God of peace. And we just pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen.